make sure you stick around till the end of this video because you're going to learn a lot about how to go about addressing chronic health complaints. And this may help you or a friend or a loved one now or in the future. So if you, fee if you have a friend or a, a family member who is suffering from a chronic health complaint, please share this video with them. I guarantee they will learn a lot and it could really serve them. So today is a very special day. It's uh, my dear mom's uh, 60th birthday and I wanted to do something nice for her, something special. Unfortunately, we are we can't visit um, Ireland where she lives because of, you know, all this Corona stuff at the moment. So I thought, you know, what material thing could I send her that, you know, would really show her, you know, how much I love her and all that stuff. So I don't really think the only thing I really buy and send her is like supplements. <laughs> so I think she has enough at the moment. Uh, other material things that don't really wouldn't really do justice. So I thought I would share a little bit about her um, health journey. Of course, we've discussed this before. She's okay with it. And I'm going to tell you a little bit, a, a little bit about how she went about addressing her uh, irritable bowel syndrome that she had for something like 12, 13 years. So she was suffering for over a decade. And I feel like sharing her story can help a lot of people because there's a lot of folks out there suffering in silence for decades sometimes. And the current medical system is not really doing much other than, you know, maybe treating symptoms, but that strategy leads to more suffering in the end. So what I'm going to do is rattle off a few quick lab tests. I'll try to keep it short, but basically here's the story, right? So I was talking to her in 2019 on the, uh, on uh, WhatsApp, we were talking and she was like, oh, you know, like, oh, I just had a meal and I'm sore here. Um, so I, she, she never, like, I knew she had some, something with the gut, um, but she, she never really complained too much, uh, about that kind of stuff. She's always like soldiering on, which, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it's good, but at the same time, it's, it's hard to help people when they don't tell you, you know, what's going on with them. So, so I asked her a few questions and um, I was just, during that time, I was just about um, to graduate from my functional diagnostic nutrition uh, course. And that's where I learned all the stuff I know uh, about lab testing and identifying, you know, hidden health challenges that are contributing to chronic health problems and so on, right? Or suboptimal health. So by talking to her very quickly, I got the um, hunch that she had a specific bacteria that can cause this type of uh, pain after eating, general discomforts, things like that, right? So I thought it was Helicobacter pylori. So I, I, th I thought about it for a day or two. I called her up and I said, look, mom, I think I have a very strong suspicion you have H. pylori. Um, I told her it's I, about half the population have it, the adult population have it. No, it doesn't cause symptoms in everybody, right? So in her case, obviously she was having some horrible pain after pretty much every meal, which is, you know, it's, it's a terrible way to live. So I, I really wanted to do what I can with my newfound knowledge to help her out. So I said to her, 
um, let's do a stool test, you know, a poop, uh, fecal uh, gut, gut check, you know, it's comprehensive gut screening. Uh, it's not, I told her it's, it's not a cheap test. It's a few hundred, but I this, this bacteria is implicated heavily in stomach cancers and ulcers. So you don't want, if, if it's there, you want to do something about it, right? So she um, surprised me, but she she decided to to um, do the test because it, it it was it wasn't this this particular test the GI map that we ran is not cheap. There's one lab that does it in the US, so it's it's um, a few hundred bucks, and then you have to also pay for the, the the fast shipping, which is not cheap from Ireland to the US. Um, but we ran the test, and lo and behold, as you can see on the screen. Helicobacter pylori, high, right? So my suspicion was confirmed. And then the next thing on the test here we'll rattle off is, as you can see, her normal bacterial flora. So these are the beneficial bacteria in the gut. So most of these that this test tests for were low. Pretty much only one species was within the range and that the other clostridium was below the detectable level. So they, they couldn't even find one of these species. But all the other species, so Bifidobacterium, Lactobacillus, you know you know those, I'm sure, uh, famous probiotics, um, they were all low. So this is where, when your beneficial bacteria are hit somehow by like antibiotics or some other inflammation in the gut, that's when you become more susceptible to other uh, opportunistic bacteria, you know, uh, yeast, things like that. So in her case, that that she may have been living with the H. pylori all her life, but an insult to her gut back in 2007 may have then put her down this cascade of di diminished beneficial bacteria. And this, uh, this basically allows for the bad guys to kind of take over and, 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 and cause... Um, what is known as dysbiosis, right? When the there's either an infection or the beneficial bacteria are low or the digestive enzymes are not being secreted. So these are the, the three main categories of dysbiosis. Looking at other things on this GI map test, we also saw opportunistic uh, bacteria. So we, you know, four more species of these guys were high, which could, could have been con contributing to to her issues and then there was also a potential autoimmune trigger so this this bacteria here prevotella right so a lot of uh, you know let's say bad bacteria or um, pathogenic bacteria and low beneficial bacteria so this will set you up for for many health complaints now in her case she was getting also a lot of headaches as we'll see later, uh, 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 I'll give you a potential clue why that was happening. But what can happen if you're getting headaches and you're taking um, things like Nurofen, uh, paracetamol, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like uh, ibuprofen, they're well known that they disrupt the, the gut lining. So you're getting a headache, you take the non said non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug to help you with the headache, and it's continuing to do damage to the gut. Other things on the test we saw, so her secretory IgA was super high, which means that her immune system was in, in overdrive, so pretty easy to tell that it was with all, all the dysbiotic bacteria. And then her calprotectin, which is a marker for inflammation in the gut, was almost 
So, so it's, it's, it's trending pretty high. It was within the, the normal range, but just on the edge of it. So this first test tells us high inflammation, immune system is in overdrive, H. pylori, other dysbiotic bacteria. And the, the worst part is that you know, most of the beneficial bacteria were low. And that's just the first test. So then at the same time, I had her run a food sensitivities test. Now, you probably won't be able to see this, but about half of the foods on this panel are reactive. So I think it's a 180 foods, food standard kind of food sensitivities panel. And I think it was something like 80 of those she was reacting to. And of course, the worst part there is that those were foods that she was consuming on a daily basis or regularly. And uh, when you eat foods that you're sensitive to, that you're reacting to, that, that means that your immune system is reacting to them. So what happens is when you eat something uh, like that, you're constantly uh, hitting your body with inflammation because that, that those are the processes that, that, that the immune system uh, initiates when you eat. Like let's say you're sensitive to dairy, uh, you drink some milk, your immune system creates inflammation and that causes damage in, in not just around the gut area, but it can, uh, these inflammatory molecules, they can get into the blood, they can get into the central nervous system and the brain. And this is where they can cause things like mood issues, depression, headaches. They can, they can attack. So in certain cases, they, they, uh, this can lead to autoimmunity where your immune system starts to attack your tissues, your joints, so joint pain. So uh, a ton of nasty things can happen if you have food sensitivities. This is why I believe this is such an important test to run, especially in folks that have uh, gut problems, of course, but also like headaches, pain, things like that. So a ton of food sensitivities. And of course, what we did was I asked her to try to limit all of those foods. So when I say limit, like eliminate from the diet. So elimination diet for at least three to six months. And she was actually, of course, it was very difficult. Now this, I have to give her a lot of respect is she, she was very good in sticking to the elimination diet for, I think it was at least six months and before she started introducing some of the grains and things like that. So um, very difficult, but she managed to do it, right? Along with the elimin uh, elimination diet, I also recommended a few supplements, quite a few actually, I think about 10 or 12, which is standard, right? You have to understand when someone is uh, trying to overcome uh, an issue this kind of uh, severe, you need support. There's no way around it. So I recommended, of course, the basics, multivit, uh, you know, vitamins, minerals, a few amino acids, so the building blocks of proteins to support, uh, to support uh, gut repair, to support the immune system, to support detoxification. And of course, she started taking some herbs that, and of course, she started taking some herbs that would address the pathogenic bacteria and some probiotics to just to, to continue to support the gut while it's healing. Now, you would think she would just start feeling better uh, once she got on the supplements. But what happens when you've had a, a health issue for this long, it's not a linear process of healing, right? So there's a lot of 
tissue damage. There's a lot of accumulation of, of various different things that need to, uh, the body needs to um, eliminate and address and repair. And that, that, that's a process, right? So it's like, think about when you do a, a spring clean of your house, uh, it's a messy process. At the end, you have a, a, a clean, beautiful home. But during that time, there's dust uh, getting thrown out, things getting, it's noisy. So that's kind of an analogy for what happens when the body starts uh, eliminating and addressing and healing and repairing things. So she wasn't feeling well. Uh, she was having trouble sleeping. She was getting kind of sweats at some point. Her mood was all over the place, up and down. So uh, uh, two, about three months in, I told her, let's do a hair test, let a hair tissue mineral analysis and see what's going on there, right? See what your body is eliminating through the hair. So there were some heavy metals, um, mercury, a little bit of mercury, aluminum, a bit more mer uh, aluminum and some arsenic. But the most significant, as you can see on the screen, is uh, the co her copper was way off the chart. So the, the ideal level for copper would be about a 2.5. Uh, the top of the range on the test is 7.5, but she was at 12.5. So she was way, way over the range. Now, the symptoms of copper excess, which is very common in women actually, is headaches, which she was getting, sleep problems, which she was having, and kind of melancholy mood issues, which she was having, right? And these are, this is just a small subset of what a copper excess can cause. And again, it's very common in women. It's heavily implicated in depression. It's heavily implicated in postpartum depression and certain behavioral disorders, right? It's also very common in autism and ADHD, just a, as a matter of fact. So I told her mom, you know, this is normal. It's the body eliminating the copper uh, that she's been accumulating over the the last several decades, right? So it's un unfortunately, it's, it's not a pleasant process, but at the end of it, you will be better off, is what I said. And of course, she she was close to, um, we made some modifications, of course, to the program after that uh, hair test, added certain minerals and other support. But um, she was uh, definitely close to stopping and giving up the, the, the program several times, you know. And if it was a client of mine, I wouldn't have the same ability to convince her to continue. I kind of pleaded with her at times. I would be like, just take your supplements, you know, and I, I did what I could to keep her on the program. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad I did. And I'm glad she stayed, which, you know, it's, it, it's difficult. It's difficult when your body is seemingly reacting to the supplements, but she was not reacting to the supplements. She was, her body was doing things that it now had the energy and the nutrients to do right? This is so important that people must understand it. If you start a healing uh, or a health building program, you won't just keep necessarily feeling progressively better. You may, certain people that have not such complex health and metabolic challenges, they, they may start just pr progressively feeling better. But it's, in most cases, it's not a linear process. It's like... Um, two steps forward, one step back, that kind of thing. So that's that. We did, so we did the hair test uh, three months after that one. And lo and behold, her copper had gone down to an 8.1, which is still off the charts, but it's significantly less than the 12.5.
previously. And then seven to eight months later, we did the copper test. Uh, we did the hair test again, and it was the copper was a five point five. So now it was within um, within the chart, still way above the optimal range, and of course far from the ideal uh, level. But it was again the trend was down, down, down. So um, she'll be doing another hair test soon, so we can see how where we're at. I'm I'm sure that it will be a much more reasonable level. And the thing about it is, the body may may do this more than once. So it can it, in in persons that have a lot of copper, it's it's just the body decides when is the time to push out heavy metals, when it's to uh, when it's time to push out like uh, too much copper or other excess minerals. So the body's infinite wisdom knows when the right time is. And it all depends on: Are you getting enough rest? Are your stress levels low enough? Are you supplying all the nutrients, uh, uh, cofactors, so vitamins, minerals, amino acids, etc., et required for it to do those jobs? So, if you give the body the building materials and sufficient rest, and are not under not under too much stress, it will do amazing things. Now, of course, in her case, because she was you know, dealing with these health health issues for more than 10 years. And she was under a lot of stress taking care of her, her uh, mom, my granny, my nephew, working a job as well. So very, she was under a lot of stress. So I would say she did really well uh, in terms of healing herself. But if she had just, let's say a job or just a kid to take care of or just a, an elderly parent to take care of if her stress levels were much much lower she could have done this work in maybe half the time so that's something we also have to remember you know that our levels of stress and busyness can greatly affect how well we respond to a health building program but she did great so about nine ten months after the start of the program i sent her a comprehensive hormone panel so that's the dutch test which stands for uh, dried urine test for comprehensive hormones, which is the, the best, most comprehensive hormone test on the market. So I sent her that just to see where her horm hormones are at. And her her uh, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they were all within the range. Now her testosterone was slightly on the lower range. So, you know, I wasn't expecting like miracles, but I can absolutely guarantee that if we had run this test nine, 10 months before the start, these hormones would have been a lot lower and in, in much worse shape. So I won't go over the rest of it. It's a very complex test test result, but we also looked at her. Um, it also looks at her uh, adrenal hormones or the cortisol, which as you may know, cortisol is the stress hormone, but it's, it's also very important to, to help us wake up in the morning. So when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol shoots up to get you going, right? And it's very important for that to go up in the morning and then progressively go down and, and be low in the evening. So a lot of folks that have trouble sleeping, it will be high at, in the evening. So something in the evening raises their cortisol, right? It could be many things. I won't go into that now. Um, then other folks that have trouble getting out of bed and low energy and fatigue issues, their cortisol is often low in the morning. So we looked at her cortisol here and it was kind of low. The, her her pattern, wake her waking twenty four hour cortisol pattern was pretty good. Her total cortisol production was kind of in the middle of the range, so it wasn't too much. It wasn't too little. If it's too little, it can signal that the 
just the body has been under under stress for too long and the person has not been able to adapt to that stress. If it's too high, uh, it just means the person is under a tremendous amount of stress and that generally doesn't end well. So this was a good progress given that she was under a lot of stress. It means that her body is still able to cope well with the stress, which is an indicator for health. However, it's not good to be under a lot of stress. So, I mean, like I always try to advocate to anyone is try to minimize your levels of stress, but um, I understand how difficult that can be for people. You know, it's just things have to get done, but this was a good result overall. Then uh, about a year, it was more than a year later, I sent her a food sensitivities panel. This one uh, was just a little finger prick test that you send off to the lab and they, they did, um, they do 190 foods. They also test for candida and yeast antibodies. So this was, this actually floored me because she had now for more than six months, she had expanded her diet. She was eating more foods. Some of the foods uh, that were, she was reacting to previously were back in the diet, certain grains, I told her, of course, not don't go crazy on the gluten, don't go crazy on the grains, you know, don't go crazy on the lectins, the nuts, uh, certain, I, c- certain, certain supposedly healthy foods can can do a lot of damage if if your gut is not in good shape, right? So, what really floored me about this food sensitivities panel is that she had nothing in the yellow and the red. She wasn't react. Her immune system wasn't reacting. Uh, hi- highly or overreacting to any of the foods. So there was 190 foods here, right? And everything was green. Like if you can see the grains here were rock bottom in the green, which which indicates that she was sticking to the program, <laughs> which, you know, it's good because a lot of people, they tell you they're they're doing the diet, they're, do- they're taking the supplements, but they're cheating and they're missing things. And a lot of us, we... we we tell ourselves and other people how well we eat, uh, but we're kind of deluding ourselves. So very proud of her there uh, that she she was sticking to the the diet, the overall program. And then like just looking at the only thing that was in the kind of the the light green. So before yellow. So basically you have green is green is good. Yellow is, you know, keep an eye on it. And then red is your immune system is reacting highly to the food. So the only thing that she was slightly more reactive to was egg white. And um, out of 190 foods, someone who had 80 food sensitivities on the first test, uh, that is absolutely amazing. In fact, uh, when I was uh, doing a session with my mentor uh, from my functional diagnostic nutrition course, looking at her uh, stool test results, when I showed him the food sensitivities test, he saw it and he, he went, wow. Right? This is the guy that has seen thousands of clients and uh, thousands of tests. And he, when he, he was like, <laughs> I don't think he had seen that many food sensitivities on a test in his career. So pretty, we, we, she started off in a pretty um, tough place, let's just say. So yeah, to only see egg white slightly in the green, uh, uh, trending a little bit towards yellow was amazing. Uh, then, yeah, ve- uh, just one more here. Vegetables, all in the green. Herbs and spices, all in the green. So this this was an amazing result. And and this is why I'm very proud of you, mom, right? So I've been going on for a while. So here are the five takeaways for you out of my mother's health journey uh, that you can use to either 
improve your own health or help someone uh, improve theirs, right? So five lessons. First one is seek help. Don't suffer in silence, right? Uh, so many people would suffer for years and decades, like 10, 20 years without asking for help. The help is out there, right? There are plenty of resources out there, uh, functional, doc- uh, functional medicine doctors, functional health coaches like myself that know what to do to restore health in the body. And when you restore health in the body, many of these symptoms that we label as diseases or whatever, they, they just go away. They simply melt away, right? So look for a functional practitioner to help you if you are suffering on a constant basis, whether that is anxiety, whether that is you can't sleep or uh, you can't lose weight or you can't gain weight, uh, let's say you're underweight, uh, if your gut is, if, if you have gut issues, um, whatever, seek help. Don't suffer in silence. No, nobody will give you a badge of honor or a medal at the end of your life that said, well done, you're a martyr, you did great, uh, well done for suffering. You know, it's, you have no idea how good you, you, you were able to feel in a relatively short period of time. Next up, very important, gut problems can lead to seemingly unrelated symptoms. So if you have issues, you know the old saying, um, Hippocrates said, Oh, all death, all disease begins in the gut, right? So, if you if your gut is compromised due to uh, inflammation from food sensitivities or uh, pathogenic bacteria, parasites, yeast like candida, things like that, um, or poor diet, things like that, the inflammation caused by that, then you can have symptoms in the rest of your body. So, skin problems insomnia, pain, depression, any number of things can be due to a compromised gut or at least a compromised gut can be a massive contributor to these seemingly unrelated things. You know, who'd have thought um, gut gut problems uh, or an yeast infection uh, or overgrowth can cause skin problems or headaches? You know, it's it's difficult to to make that association, but... um, We've known, we've actually known that for 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 quite a long time. It's just that we've been taught that if you have a headache, you treat the symptom up here, or if you have a skin problem, you you, you treat the skin. But all of these problems, all of these symptoms, have a root cause somewhere. So it's the trick is to identify the root, the metabolic challenge or or problem that is causing that symptom, right? Then the next one is test, don't guess. So if 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 you have a, a health issue, you need to work with a practitioner that can help you test and find what these underlying contributors are. You can't just read an article or two and or watch a few videos and oh, I think I have this. Oh, I'm gonna take this supplement that is good for that because you can spend not just a lot of time but a lot of money and energy uh, trying things and. In some cases, you, you can you can feel better and it can go away or it can come back and uh, you can just, you know, it can lead to a lot of frustration that um, a, a practitioner or a coach can help you uh, in, in a rel- again, a relatively short period of time by using laser-like pinpoint precision in identifying, oh, it's a parasite. Oh, you have food sensitivities. 
uh, oh, look, you're, you're, you're deficient in these minerals. So it's important to really embrace lab testing because there's, we're, we're pretty advanced with the lab tests nowadays. And it, it, most of them you can collect at home, like a little urine sample or a little poop sample or a little hair test or a few drops of blood on a piece of paper. You mail that off. You don't even have to, you don't even have to book an appointment with a, with a doctor and go to a clinic. This is how advanced we have gotten, right? Then the next one is you need to embrace supplements. In, this is, supplements are literally an investment in yourself. The same way you uh, get your car checked out every year, the, the same way you put in petrol in your car, uh, but you also change the oil, you add more oil, you know, you, you hoover uh, the inside, you know, you, you rotate your tires. So think of supplements as the maintenance and the, the daily support, right? They're not a, supplements are not a scam. Some are a scam. A lot of them are poor quality. So you need to, you need to know what you're buying. You need to know what, what, what quality means when it comes to buying a supplement. And I'm going to have a lot of resources in the future on that. But in the gist of it is this. So the food Quality today is super poor, su- super nutrient poor because of poor farming practices, because of over farming, things like that. And then <clears throat> on top of that, we live in a super highly toxic world. So uh, pesticides, heavy metals, uh, uh, literally more than 100,000 different chemicals being um, produced in the last 100, 120 years. So our bodies are under a much higher toxic burden, which the, the only way we detoxify things is using nutrients, vitamins, minerals, amino acids. So literally that is how you detoxify things. So you're cons- constantly doing that and your body needs those nutrients replaced. And if you think you're getting all the nutrients uh, your body requires on a daily basis from your diet, um, I, I got news for you. Unfortunately, you're a little bit misled there. And, um, I'm going to have further resources in the future to talk more about that uh, in case you're not convinced from, you know, this little kind of time I spent on that. And then uh, lastly, the reason supplementation is important is we live with unprecedented levels of stress, which again, it stress literally depletes nutrients. Now that the stress isn't just psychological, it's physiological. Right, so this is another reason why things like um, zinc, calcium, magnesium, B vitamins, uh, fish oil—these are these need to be daily nutrients that we take in. And finally, the last little lesson that I can uh, we can glean from this this kind of synopsis uh, of my mother's health journey over the last couple of years is healing takes time. Don't give up, right? So if if you think that you've had you, you've had a health problem for two years or five years or ten years or twenty years, if you think uh, a three month program is is you just be back to optimal health, unfortunately you're mistaken. It takes time because it it if it takes time to get ourselves into into an unhealthy state. For for example, if someone let's say is overweight, right? It took them maybe ten or twenty years to get overweight. What would make one think then that 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 weight could just be shed in in a uh, a month or two or or 
or even a year. Maybe it can, but it it, it kind of doesn't make sense if it takes you this long to 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 get to a, a certain level of say ill health. Why would why would it take you this long to 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 get healthy? You know, I mean, I'm not saying it will take you ten years. If you've been sick ten years, it'll take you ten ten years to get back to health. But we need to manage our expectations in terms of how quickly uh, a health building program will actually bring us back to to optimal health or at least much better health than we started with. So it's important to not give up and stay stick with it because it may it's likely that it will become challenging. For example, when bad bacteria are being kind of killed off by whatever, let's say your doctor prescribes you antibiotics or you, you, you know, your functional medicine practitioner or, or uh, functional health coach recommends herbs. Um, when those bacteria die, you may get what's known as a Herxheimer reaction. So that can be uncomfortable. If you're eliminating heavy metals, that can be an uncomfortable process. So uh, th- those are just a couple of common examples of how uh, you, you you might feel a little bit worse before you feel better on a health building program. So that's the final lesson. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. And just to end, I just want to wish you a very happy birthday, mom. I love you. Thank you for everything you've done for me. Um, and yeah, just... Keep taking your supplements, please. Thanks for watching.